When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Lost Horizon week here at the Metal Exchange, the final episode of, uh, what is it, 2022. I, I can't believe it. How are you, my friend? How was your holiday? Very nice. Uh, how about you? Very, very nice. Um, a lot a lot of food. I, I think I need to go on a diet. But uh, short of that, uh, I feel I feel good. Uh, I'm looking forward to 2023. I was kind of going through the... Um, list of new releases for next year and there seems like there's a lot of stuff already in the queue for the first quarter of the year so it's going to be a a very busy year i i have no doubt but it sh- it should be good um but i gotta be honest I'm, I'm i'm doing a lot of prep work on this year end list i think i've got it narrowed down to my top 50 albums i just have to listen to a couple of them again to see how they've held up over the course of the last few months and then kind of rearrange the order of a bit but i'm I'm happy with the 50 that I have. And I think I can say that um, if it didn't make the cut, there's probably a reason for it. Uh, I think that's always the case really. But uh, yeah, same here. Um, I've been slowly kind of making my way through. Um, I'm still on the fence about whether I want to do a top 25 or a top 50. um, Just because I just don't know. I don't know if my bottom 25 is, it's probably just one big ass tie. (laughs) So I don't yeah. know how I'm going to order them, but um, I'll be focusing on that the next uh, couple of weeks to try to get that finalized as well. But we'll we'll see. It just was just an odd year for for me uh, musically, and then you know, on the professional front, I just um, haven't had the the time to spend with um, the new albums as much as I would have liked. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll string something together, though I'm sure I have. Um... I have no doubt. I'll just mention a couple of new singles that came out, obviously in advance of albums for next year that kind of got me excited for, for these albums. Um, out of Italy, the new Frozen Crown single, Call of the North, very, very good stuff. It came out about a week ago. I feel like this is something you will thoroughly enjoy just knowing your taste. Have you have you had a chance to hear this song yet? I, I have. It's, it's good. Um, this is a band that I've really enjoyed uh, since I found out about them a couple of years ago, and I always look forward to hearing uh new stuff from them and that this is no no exception and it's on my uh it's on my most recent playlist uh as you can see on spotify i've updated those to have our our most recent so now um looks like all 12 of your uh playlists for the year are, are posted and i'm i'm up to volume 24 which probably will end up being the last one of the year for me but uh um I did finally get to listen to that Catatonia track that you were uh, hyping up, and it was really good. I, I enjoyed it. So that you'll find that on the uh, you'll find that on the new playlist as well. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, I think it's a good way for people who may not have had the time to just scroll through YouTube each Friday as these songs come out to kind of just see it all in one place, 
hear all this stuff and kind of just get a flavor for some of the stuff that we're listening to. Um, for example, two, two more bands that are coming out with stuff next year, both out of Germany, both couldn't be any more opposite in terms of their approach and their style. The first is a band called Time the Valuator. Um, these, these guys are like part prog metal, part post metal, part, I don't know, like almost synthy in a way. Very, very interesting band. Um, a little more. Uh, melancholy almost in the catatonia vein but they they do a really really uh, good job with their new single it's called binary pulse and a band that i don't want to say lost me with their last release but i was not a huge fan of the last lord of the lost album their album judas just never really resonated with me as much as it did for many others but they came out with a new single called blood and glitter and my god this song is amazing if the album is in this vein it could be an album of the year candidate for next year that's how much i love this single um very very catchy very very melodic uh they do you know they, they have a sound that really does sound different from everybody else but i i expect this to be uh almost a launching uh pad for them because this this single was just fantastic i highly recommend it and i'll post it this week cool yeah i look forward to hearing uh both of those because i have not heard either of them as of yet well let's let's get into some lost horizon and this was kind of my uh my christmas gift to you in a way i knew that you had some familiarity with this band and and we're going back almost 20 years to a band that released just two albums one in 2001 with their debut release awakening the world and then their follow-up release a flame to the ground beneath would come out two years later and then they were gone and like off the map entirely. And, and it's kind of an interesting story because I have no idea why none of these guys, with the exception of the singer Daniel Hyman, never really pursued anything else in the musical space because I think that this band had definite potential. Um, I knew that you had know, had heard some tracks, you know, a handful of tracks, but that you had never really done a deep dive into these two albums. And I figured it would be right up your alley. Um, how was it kind of? going into some of the deeper cuts here it was wonderful it was, <laughs> it was really just really good stuff I, I i found myself um more familiar with the second album than the first album i remembered heart of storm that was the first lost horizon song i ever heard i don't know if that was like their first um like teaser single before the album came out but i just remember that um because there, there seemed to be a, a significant amount of hype around this band and despite the fact that they were brand new and made in two albums and then disappeared. And in retrospect, like people speak of Daniel Hyman as one of the greatest heavy metal singers of all time. And his, his most notable band released two albums and was gone within a couple of years. It's such a fascinating story. And it's funny that like, you know, it's like, we're going to do a career retrospective, but uh, it's probably won't be any longer than any of our normal episodes because not like a lot said, of material. There's, there's two albums there's, and, and there's not really a ton of songs across the two albums. There's, I did a little searching. There are no bonus tracks or B sides. Um, there's a, a number of like intros, outros and uh, segue tracks. So all in all, like as far as, full-length songs go there's maybe about 16 total yeah. yeah it's 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 a remarkable story because they came out kind of on the heels of like that late 90s power metal surge with the angras and the labyrinths and the you know 
Blind Guardian with their um, Nightfall album and obviously Halloween doing their thing. And like this was kind of like that second wave of power metal. Many of the bands we discussed when we did that Halloween tribute episode, just because there were so many bands around that, the same time that were on that album, bands like Fraternia and, and who could forget Red Wine, but like all these bands were coming out around this time. And then these guys do their two albums and then they're done. Um, Daniel Hyman would go on to do a number of, of different um, projects, but most of them were like one-offs or he would do one or two albums and then he'd be gone. Yeah, and he never, he never did anything like huge. Like, you no. know, you would think that somebody would have snagged him when they were going through a singing change or, or whatever. It's, it's so weird. It's kind of like this, this, this mysterious legend. <laughs> um, and I just did a count. There's 13 full length songs between these two albums. I mean, yeah, you pretty much could sit on one album. I mean, but for the fact that there's some real epics on, on the second album, but it's, it's incredible. And I'll, I'll just kind of go through the, uh, the band members who it's funny. They, they use monikers for, for their names, but oh, those I'll, weren't their, those weren't their real names. Contrary to popular belief, um, transcendental, uh, sorry, transcendental, transcendental protagonist. Otherwise, transcendental. It's easy for me to say. Anthropomorphic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Woshek Lisicki on guitars, the cosmic antagonist Martin Friggin on bass, the, per, uh, the sorry, the pre, uh, preternatural transmographer Christian Nyquist on drums, who's a beast, and uh, we'll just say Attila Pubic on keyboards. I mean, these guys are um, not household names. Their monikers were not household names. I'm tongue-tied, but this is who it is with Daniel Hyman on vocals, and... Um, you know, straight out of Gothenburg, which is kind of known for their more, uh, you know, the more melodic death metal scene and stuff that was going on in the in the mid '90s. But this was definitely a gem, a power metal gem, to come out of Sweden. Yeah, these are some names you're not going to find in the in the book of baby names. Uh, <laughs> Twenty twenty two. I, I know. I know. If you if you ever had a boy, you would probably name him Ethereal Magnanimous. But uh... I was thinking about it, um, but I, I just don't see it in the cards. Um, but it's 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 incredible. But they they have this gimmick, and I posted a live video this week of them doing a full performance at the Gates of Metal Festival in two thousand and three, right on the heels of their um, second album. And they are dressed up in full regalia and cloaks. And I mean, it is one yeah face paint, face paint. It's nuts. But like that was kind of most of the live footage we have of this band. And it happens to be a great show. And it shows that I think that they can really pull this stuff off live, which is remarkable because this is some dense material. And um, it's just it's just it's just incredible to me because I think that I'll, I'll kind of just put this out here at the outset this band could have been the biggest band in power metal. And I think that if they were maybe 10 or 12 years later, they would have been just because power metal kind of had a resurgence for many people in the, you know, 2010, 2015, but instead they're just lost to time and nobody really talks about them except for, you know, fond nostalgia at this point. Right. I, I, I was like clicking on their, all the names of the band members thinking to myself, like, Oh, I mean, I'm sure they all went on to do, different things like i'm sure one of them's in hammerfall now and one of them's in you know uh i don't know uh a bunch of swedish bands that are not coming to me um <laughs> you know like maybe there's one in in beast in black and uh sure enough it's like nobody really did anything i, I i'm sure we'll talk about the band heed that um i don't think lasted they lasted even less time than lost horizon did um one and done 
Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I wonder, like you said, being that like, they're not kind of a fake studio band based on the live, you know, footage there is. I always hear about people clamoring, especially like the prog power people. I always hear them being like, when are they going to, it was kind of in the, uh, it was in that list of things you didn't think you'd see along with demons and wizards until demons and wizards actually happened. But people always like, when are they going to have a lost horizon reunion? And it's like, I don't know that these guys want to do a reunion or else I feel like they would have by they now. They would have. And even though they only have the two albums, I think that the reunion would have been huge. I just have a feeling like they would have played in front of. A yeah. It would have been a Vakken. Yeah. Right. Right. And, 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 and they would have gone over and it would have been nuts. But, um, you know, before we talk about the albums, Daniel Hyman is the only one that has done other things, right? He he sang with um, Heat, as you mentioned, but they only had one album in 2005 called The Call. Um, I'll, I'll talk more about that a little bit later. He did an album called The Boreal Flame in 2019 with a band called Dimhav. He sang on a bunch of the Harmony records, and he sang on a Warrior Path album called The Mad King. But I got to be honest, with the exception of Heed. And the Dim Have album, to a lesser extent, I never thought that the material that he was singing was even worthy of his voice. I just thought it was like, like I, I, look, I look back at that Warrior Path album, and the album is terrible, but it's listenable because he's so good. But the, the music is just not good. And like he deserves to have a great band around him because it'll make him shine that much more. He's almost bringing them up as opposed to them, like, you know, bringing him down. To, I mean, it's, it's, just not, it's just not good stuff. Yeah, but and then there's a whole bunch of like guest spots that he did, uh, particularly um, on the Marius Danielson's Legend of Valley Doom albums. Um, there's uh, there's one song where I think Marius was like, "What would you know? What what would people say if I put Daniel Hyman and Michael Kisk together in a song?" And it was like every power metal head or power metal fan's head just simultaneously exploded. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll share that song. Um, I, somebody, um, I believe it was Dan, but correct me if I'm wrong, posted the track from, uh, Project Aegis, which, um, came out a couple of years ago. It was just a single called And the Rest is Mystery. I believe it was, um, I believe it was a song that was, um, constructed by Matt Smith from Theocracy. I could be wrong, but, um, I know he's a part of that. Um, and then there's just a bunch of like random thing, Woods of Wonders, and uh, he did like additional vocals for Highland Glory, and uh, I think you'd mentioned, um, I think you'd mentioned Harmony. Um, he was uh, did, and he's like random backing vocals for bands like Destiny and uh, Blaze My Sorrow. I guess this was before he before Lost Horizon, so people didn't really know who he was. But there's like something called Battle Symphony, which I've never even heard of. Disdain. Um, there's just a bunch of random, like things like, uh, he did vocals on a mentalist track. Um, just a lot of, a lot of stuff that I legit never heard of. But like we said, all one and done's and he really didn't like stay with anybody for a while. I just, you feel like now, nowadays in the, in the world of supergroups, th- there's a spot for him with a, with an A plus songwriter, but alas, uh, here we are talking about Lost Horizon from 2003, right? So, you know, it, it just never, it was never meant to be. Um, 
I have a bit of a hot take as we kind of get into this now. I guess we'll start at the beginning, right? This band comes out in 2001. Um, they obviously released their debut album, Awakening the World. I think most people think that the follow-up was an even stronger release. But I've going into this week, I always enjoyed the debut just a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure that that has changed this week. I think I hold the high, the second album in just as high regard, but I don't know that I I can't say that the first album is not my favorite just because I thought that even though there was a little bit less maturity in the songwriting, I thought it was really freaking catchy. Um, and I think it was more balanced. Almost every song on that first album, as we'll talk about, was a really good song. Whereas I think that the high spots on the second album are amongst the best power metal songs I've ever heard. But then there's some stuff that doesn't grab me quite as much. And I'm curious for you, did you have a preference of the two albums? I, I lean slightly towards the second album. Um, I just, but there's like less, I think there's just less meat on the bones on the second album. As far as like, full length songs, there's probably longer, more epic tracks sure. than, um, on Awakening the World, but there's less of them, um, you know, less of full-length tracks. So I think that there's a little bit more to chew on with Awakening the World. Um, but I, I think just, um, like you said, like I think some of the high the high points of the band, more of them, I think, take place on the, the second album for me. Um, plus, I was more, I, I knew more of it going into it, so I think there was a little bit of a bias there. Um, it took me longer to kind of... Uh, get the first album kind of into my into my brain but once it did i really really enjoyed it a lot but um at first it was just kind of uh it all kind of melt like melded together at first the first couple of listens and then as i listened to it more and more uh, it really kind of um started to stand out um as a matter of fact i feel like um Heart of Storm, which was the first track and only track I really knew, might might be one of my lesser uh, songs from this album. Now I'm, that I've I've heard the rest of it, I, I I'm so almost happy that you said that. The album kicks off with this intro called "The Quickening," which is this understated, kind of mundane opening track, um, and then all of a sudden the skies open and Heart of Storm kicks in. Is like their uh, one of their I guess most popular tracks off this album. I think it's might be my least favorite track on the album. I don't think it's very good. I think it's um, kind of just your standard power metal tune. The riffs are okay. I mean, that first scream. You're, you're, or I think Daniel Hyman hits you with that first note on this album. So to, to you know that there's something special there. Um, but I, other than like the backing vocals, which kind of provide a little bit of nice contrast, the instrumental section is interesting, but I don't, love the track and i think that as we get deeper into this there are tracks that blow it out of the water i you know i just find that the whole kind of like heart of storm like that whole thing it's like i don't know that's boring to me like this band is like crazy melodic like you could you have went it. with something a little bit catchier or something a little more sing-songy and like i find that to be kind of I don't know. I think that's a little bit lame when bands do that. I think the rest of the song is, is really fantastic. It's fast. Um, like Hyman shows off some of his really um, high notes, uh, no pun intended, like right, like kind of right from the get go on this one. And it's a, I could see why you would want to play this song for somebody who's never heard this band before, just to give them a little taste of what this band's all about. But um, I, I don't think that it has as much, um, 
as much depth as the, the songs on the rest of the album do. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I don't think there's much better example than Sworn in the Metal Wind, which is the third track. This song is just as cheesy as the, as the, as the prior track, but there's something about it that is so, so catchy, whether it's that the galloping as you're going along or the fact that you have literally Daniel Hyman screaming over the top of these drum fills, which are outstanding. Um, I prefer this track tenfold to the opener and, and it makes it, it's as it's, it's, it's cheesy as it is. Give me the sword. Give me the shield. I'm ready to go out into battle when I hear this one. And I love how it slows down a little bit during the instrumental section. And then it picks up speed again. And I believe don't quote me on this. I think that the band's only bass solo is actually featured on this track, which is a, just kind of a nice touch. It, the beginning of the song is, to me, sounds like a modern day, well, modern day at the time, Man of War. Um, hmm. Like, in a more power metal kind of vein, I'm trying to think of, uh, of exactly which song it makes me uh, think of, but just with the those, like, just unbelievable over the top vocals right right at the at the beginning and that just kind of it, it, I, I really do wonder if there was um any sort of uh influence there um because it's kind of like a, a man why can't i think of which song i'm thinking of with just those like heavy riffs and just like soaring eric adams vocals like defender um, or something like right that at like the one beginning. of those early yeah like something of- from Something from either fighting the world or or kings of metal, I would say. Um, it's 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 uh, it's not coming to me, but I mean that's kind of what it, it reminded me of. But then once the you know, once it starts to kick into like that that gallopy kind of guitar, you know, it it, it kind of takes on its own uh, feeling. But um, at the beginning, it was like I, I got Man of War vibes all, all over the place. So, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. As you're kind of going through the discography, I have to assume that this is the first song that you didn't know. Or, or at this point, are you saying to yourself, like, why haven't I listened to this? Like, I could imagine this song being like, what, like opening your eyes to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that any of this stuff was like, I didn't get like, I didn't come out of this thinking to myself, like, holy shit, I missed out on two 10 out of 10 albums that like, what's wrong with me? But like, yeah, it's kind of like, I'm a little surprised that I'm sure I had listened to this at some point and I just didn't think that much of it or I thought it was fine, but maybe whatever else was out at the time. But this is also during a time where I really wasn't paying attention to metal as much. Right. So, and also it's blood of the Kings. I just popped it on here and that's what it is. Um, uh, So yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm again, it's like, I, I tend to harp on it's this, this podcast is just kind of just filling in a lot of blanks for me. (laughs) And, and this is definitely uh, one of them. Uh, It's, and I would be like front and center if this band did ever decide to, to, you know, do a comeback and do, uh, or even just did a show like, or if they played a prog power, I'd I'd be in, I I wouldn't miss that. Oh no. I, I, I totally, totally agree with you. Um, I feel like fans have been clamoring for it, but I just, I don't know. I don't see it in the cards, but you know, stranger things have happened. Like we've said, uh, the next track is, is kind of a minute long keyboard laden piano interlude type of thing. It's called the song of air, but it leads into, um, 
I guess the fifth track, World Through My Fateless Eyes. Now, this track, um, I, the way the drums start off in the beginning always reminds me of Rise and Fall by Halloween. And maybe it's just me, but I can definitely hear like that nod to Halloween there. And I think the drums are one of the standouts here. The drummer is such an amazing um, musician. His Christian Nyquist, again, is his name. I- I'm shocked he hasn't done no, anything else. No, his name is Predatorial Transmogrifier. Easy, 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 right. easy, easy for you to say. Um, <laughs> no, he, it's not. <laughs> he, the way he holds this track together, I don't think it's quite as in-your-face as Sworn is, but arguably the song is a better chorus. I love the riff. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, but it's um, I would say uh, this and Kingdom of My Will were probably my my two favorites um, from this album. But this song is really good. This was the one that I think really stood out to me uh, in my earlier listens. That really was the first one where I was like, "Whoa!" Um, and it's kind of stuck with me the more I, I go back and listen to it. But yeah, this is a really uh, really good really good tune and kind of to follow up on your. Uh, you know dr- the the drum commentary. I, I just this is a band where everybody is really uh, shining, like through in different parts. It's really talented musicianship, and everybody's just really good at what they do. Like the drumming's great, the bass playing's great, great guitar riffs, and obviously you know the vocals go without saying. And this was a this is a this is a quite a quite a group. The only complaint I have is that the album itself sounds a bit flat and i don't know if it's because of the time or what have you but I, I i feel like with the modern production techniques i feel like they would have a much fuller sound today and i think that they would be well served by having that because even though there's an upgrade in production with the second album it still sounds like it's limited or flat in some way i'm not even describing it well but there's something about the sound which i feel like it just should be remastered and made fuller or maybe it's just me um i i I don't disagree um i I think it's definitely more noticeable on the first album uh you know if they were to release a new album nowadays you know like simone mulleroni would probably produce it and it would sound incredible no doubt no (laughs) doubt Um, yeah but uh yeah, I think that um, production-wise, uh, "Flame to the Ground Beneath" is a, a slight bit better. But yeah, there is something of like a um, it, it kind of fits the time that it was released, I guess, in a sort of way where where some bands, I guess, if you just don't have that kind of budget, that you're not going to get that pristine production sound. But um, you know, I did want to bring up like. Have you ever heard another band that uses the that those kind of um those patches that the keys like that set that it's almost like a, a a distinctive Lost Horizon keyboard sound? There's more of it on the second album, I think, but like nobody ever kind of took that. Maybe they didn't want to sound like they were ripping off Lost Horizon, but that is so to me like unique to that band, and it really just it makes the band really have its own kind of flavor. Yeah, it's it's. I think keyboard patches are are exactly. I think you describe them perfectly. There are parts to this stuff, and I'll get into it a later. Where it reminds me of some of the stuff that was coming out of Italy, like three and five years before this, but only in certain spots because they do have a very unique sound when it comes to the keyboards. I agree with you, um, and, and you know, I, I think back. I, I don't know that anyone sounded like this back then, and. 
I'm not sure that anyone has sounded like this in the last 20 years. There's obviously been a thousand different power metal bands that have come and gone and that are still here in many ways, but this was a very unique sound. And I don't think that I don't, you, you never heard them covered. You just, it was like they were on the map and then they were gone and nobody even tried to copy it, which was kind of interesting because <laughs> there was a lot to like, you know, with this stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe just because everybody liked it so much. I don't know, but I, it's, I wish I had a better way of describing that, that keyboard sound. It's almost kind of like, almost kind of like a bell kind of sound in, in a way. It's almost yeah. like a bell, a synthesized kind of bell almost. It, it It's, really unique and really cool and it's like even if i'd never heard the song before if i heard that keyboard sound i'd know it was lost horizon immediately yeah i i think that's i think that's um i think that's a good point um uh, talk to me a little bit about their jim helwig trivia tribute with perfect warrior what, what were you yeah, i was gonna ask you is this song about the ultimate the modern day or the road <laughs> um yeah i think i think it's a little i think it's just so perfect that it goes yeah they should have come out to uh the survivor series 1990 th- team should have come out to the song <laughs> if it had existed uh 11 years prior yeah, um, and they could have wrote a, a, another song called uh, mr perfect warrior for to their opponents but um <laughs> uh yeah, this one's just kind of okay compared to the. It's a little bit kind of uh, mid tempo and uh, like unspectacular, if anything. Um, it, it's, yeah, you know, it's not bad. It's just uh, it's kind of short and and it's it's it was just kind of there for me. Yeah, it's more mid paced. I don't know that it's completely remarkable. I think it's catchy enough. It's it's a very short, tight little song, um, but I think it doesn't hold a candle to denial of fate. Denial of fate is. Maybe, maybe my favorite track on this album. Um, this is a real banger of a tune and very accessible. Like if I was going to play a song for someone, this would be the one I would play, not Heart of Storm. I think it is just um, paint by numbers power metal, but executed to perfection. Um, there's also a touch of like flower power metal on this one, almost like a freedom call or a power quest or something like that this is the song has been stuck in my head all week i forgot about it and i love it i absolutely love this song and it would easily be my song of the week if i was picking one off of this album and this album alone maybe we can blame power quest for why i didn't get into this band initially because the two albums came out the same years as the first two power quest albums and those ones just captured my my heart and it I think at the time that was all I had room for. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if when you're playing that for ten hours a day, there wasn't much room for anything else. So, um, yeah. Welcome back is is another song which is kind of a little pedestrian. I, I think that again, there's some filler on here, but I, I don't think that any of these tracks are bad. And I actually, like I said, I prefer the album. I think to to the follow up. Um, nothing stands out. It's just a good track. I wouldn't say it's great. Um. It's what's weird here is that the verses in the chorus are like awkwardly similar to me. And I never quite understood that because they do a very good job of contrasting the different sections of their song, especially, especially on the second album. Um, but I've, I've, this one, eh, just, just, uh, just kind of there. Um, I put it in the bottom half of, of songs on the album for sure. Yeah. I, I liked it a smidge better than perfect warrior, but it, it wasn't one of my favorites either. I think, uh, Denial of Fate of of those three tracks was probably the best of the the three prior to the um 
the, the, the grand finale, if you will, but um, yeah, pretty good. I, I think it's, um, it's kind of, I think this song and perfect warrior are kind of why I, I prefer the, the second album just because I think that there aren't, um, I don't think there's a, as I, I don't know if I would call these tracks filler, so to speak. I just think that they're, I like the other songs better. And I think that, um, overall I, I like, I enjoyed all of the songs on the second album a little bit more. There was less, less dips for me, I guess I could say. All right. Well, you, you did mention, uh, the kingdom of my will, which is kind of like the last proper track on the album. What, what about this stuck out to you? What was it? Was it anything in particular? Um, I just, I have to say like between this and the, um, and the Highlander song on the second album, like this is a band that could do a, an epic track. Um, and I really, I love the, um, the, the OO <laughs> vocals that Hyman <laughs> does. that just screams like concert sing along. Um, the, the, the bridges are awesome. The chord, like the whole song is really good. It never drags for a, a nine minute song. Um, I just really enjoyed this on a whole. I think it, it it's everything that's great about the whole album kind of rolled into one really long, epic final track. Um, I just, just like this one a lot. And um, if, uh, if I was going to pick one song from this album uh, to be my favorite, uh, my, I, I will say my song of the week is going to be from the second album. Um, I, I, this would be my favorite from the Awakening the World, the debut album. I'll say this this track more than any of the others on this album would have fit very well on the second album just because there's so many epics and, and um, there are longer tracks. I think I had mentioned this earlier, the, the songwriting just matured in that two-year period. This particular song, though, has a very Iron Maiden quality to it. Like a lot of that newer Maiden material where they're doing those seven, eight, nine-minute epics, this lends itself well with just a touch, a touch of Dragon Force thrown in as well. But it's such a good track. The only thing that kind of takes me out of the moment is around the 715 mark. There's this really short, almost 80s pop section that they kind of throw in here for a few measures before they go back into the song. And I never understood why they just got themselves out of their element and then kind of went back in full throttle, but it's a it's very good song. song and you have yeah, to do yeah. other things. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Um, we, we're going to get more proggy as we get into the, to the next album. The, this one ends with another weird kind of like ambient outro called the reintegration. I don't have much, much I think to say about that. Honestly, I had to like look and see if it was a typo, but it, it, I think it's supposed to be the red integration, which, Oh, I don't know why, no, <laughs> but and I guess I've been saying it wrong for the last uh, 20 years. You're right. Yeah. The red well, I mean, the, the word, the normal word is reintegration. So don't start going into court and telling people <laughs> that they need to red integrate into society because it just looks stupid. Uh, I, 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 will, I will, I will heed that. I will heed that call uh, as well. Um, yeah. But all in all, Awakening the World, a hell of a debut album. I think you, you'd agree. I'm curious on a scale of one to 10, if you can, if you, what, what you're going to rate this or does the kind of like those one or two dead spots really take it down for you a bunch? Um, I, to me, I, I give it eight, 8.25. I thought it was uh, very, very good. Um, I just think that this second album to me had a couple more high spots, at, at, like higher highs and lower lows, I guess would be the, the best way of putting it. But overall, it's just a very, very strong 
debut. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, like I always say, for me, certain things, uh, cer- sometimes my, my ratings have, um, a nostalgia factor. And since I don't have a nostalgia factor for this album, I can, I can understand why somebody who, who's been listening to this album for the last 20 years might rank it closer to a nine or even a 10, I guess, if they're really into it. But that's kind of where I'm at. Um, so I'm curious what, uh, what, what you're rating this one. It's, it's an 8.5 for me. I, I don't know that it has fewer lows than the next album. I just think it's more consistent throughout, and I like the pacing of it with the big epic at the end. My problem with the second album is not so much that the songs aren't fantastic. They are, but it's just an al- it's kind of like an album with not many tracks and a bunch of epics just on there with Pure, which in, its, in and of itself is a long song, even though it doesn't feel as epic when you compare it to some of the other stuff on there. Um it's hard for me to really choose between the two. I don't know that I would necessarily choose to listen to this first album, but I, I, I do think that it's very, very, very good power metal. And I think it's probably an 8.5 for me. I like it a, li- a touch better than you. I don't know that. Uh, let's put it this way. If this album came out this year, it would probably be my power metal album of the year. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it it'd probably be in my, top three if not top one or two honestly um i don't know if that's a indictment on the, <laughs> the albums that came out this year or yeah, or uh, maybe yeah or or just a a, a you know a positive review of, of this but um you know that said uh it, it's it's a it's an eight plus you know album that can now go into the you know into the my you know, my brain files uh, that wasn't there before. So that's always, always a good thing. Well, let's, let's move on because two years later, they come out with a flame to the ground beneath Loudwire magazine had it as the seventh best power metal album of all time, which is high praise for a band that was, you know, here today and, and gone tomorrow. It too starts off with another, you know, intro track, called Transdimensional Revelation, and it kind of sounds exactly what the name would imply, this really spacey, um, ambient thing going on with a ton of cool sound effects, and it's almost in surround sound. When you put it on with, like, ear pods or headphones, it really has this, like, cosmic thing that's well, going somewhere, on. Somewhere Aaron Lucasen is drooling. No <laughs> doubt about it. And and that that's really what it makes you think of when, when you hear it. Um, but right away, as they get into Pure, which is like the first real track, immediately, better production, the drums are a little more um, innovative or a little more imaginative, and the songwriting is just so much better, I think, on this album overall. But what, what, what I think of, and, and this is a me thing, it's almost like comfort food for me because it brings me back to when I was in college listening to this stuff Um it just takes me back to a time and a place because I remember playing the hell out of this album as a junior in college, um, you know, kind of leading into my senior year. It was definitely, uh, definitely, um, definitely something that I remember. I, I think you would agree. Pure is probably their, if not their most popular song, it's the one that you knew probably better than the rest. Without a doubt. And I have to give credit to, uh, to our mutual friend, Pat, um, because it was just one of those, classic pat rants at where he was going on and on about 
Lost Horizon and Daniel Hyman, and he was just, and it, it, he must have said "Pure" was the sickest song he ever heard like sixteen times in the in, in a minute. So clearly, I, I had to listen to it, and, and sure enough, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't far off. Um, this is on a a playlist that I made back when I was making like one playlist a year in two thousand three. This this song was on the that playlist along with you know um songs from pagan's mind pagan's mind celestial entrance album and the first dragon force album and camelot's epica album and and sonata Artica's winter hearts guild so it, it's just the stuff that was from around that time i must have made this mix when i was in college um so the band was on my radar i just i don't know why i never really dug into the rest of it but this this was probably a no, this was, I was going to say, I was going to say it might be a little too late to be a cassette. It was probably a CD that I, I had made. Um, looking at the list, this is a pr- pretty awesome uh, playlist that really harkens back to uh, to college time for me. Um, but uh, if I had listened to this album for the first, like, like the whole album for the first time, like I had no knowledge of any of the songs, you know, this week, this might have been my favorite song, but I think the fact that I've heard it so many times, I, I thought it, I would choose something else as my song of the week. I mean, it might actually still be my favorite song. Um, it's, it's so epic. Um, but I, I'm going to choose something else just to, to be a little less predictable. Um, but yeah, okay. this is a pretty unbelievable opening to a really great album. And, and remind me, I, I pulled up the, um, I pulled, I pulled up Loudwire's entire list and, I'm fairly certain we've taught we've talked about this list before because we've done a few albums that are on this list, but uh, we'll kind of go over the albums that um, it actually beat out and the ones that are like the royalty that there's only six albums ahead of it. So uh, we'll talk a bit about that at the end, but I'll, I'll I have that uh, page bookmarked for us to talk about. Nice. I, I, I pulled it up as well. There's some interesting bands on there. I, I it'll be a nice it'll be nice be a nice chat. Um, What I'll say about this intro is it is – you almost get the sense that it's going to come out like a freight train just pulling out of the station, but it's a little more mid-paced. It just happens to be so incredibly catchy, and the keyboards add such a nice element to this. I I, I think that like that to me is one of the highlights, and obviously – Daniel Hyman just knocks this one out of the park, but it's a little proggy as the rest of this album is um, not least of which is lost in the depths of me, which is the next track. I love this song. I I think that it has a touch of freedom call in spots. And that main riff is very like kind of medieval sounding. Um, But there's something about this song, both the chorus and even the pre-chorus that I just absolutely adore. And I would kill to see this song live. Like to me, this is the song along with one or two others that I would just absolutely um, adore to see live. Um, something about it is just so catchy. And I feel like even though it's nine minutes, almost nine minutes in length, I never get bored and it never feels stagnant. Do you share this? Do you share the same thoughts or is this kind of um, a little long in the tooth for you? No, I, it's, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's an awesome song. Um you know, like you said, it's almost nine minutes, never drags. Um, I agree would, I think would be, would translate really well to a live setting. Um, just like, again, like there's not as many 
songs on this. I mean, actually, if you really just kind of put Highlander aside, which is like this epic 12-minute track, there's really only five full-length songs on this album to really d- right. dive into, and this is one of them. And and they're all – I just really liked all five, and, and, and I really liked Highlander as well. Um, so I, I, I'm not really going to have any, any kind of negative things to say about probably anything else on this album, but yeah, this is a really good tune. And, and, um, that I think that the, the, um, some of the orchestrations that kind of like give it more of that epic kind of vibe and, and pull it out or stretch it out a little bit longer than a typical, like six minute power metal song. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I always found it kind of around the same time, like dragon force was making these like really long power metal songs. And it's like, Dragon Force doesn't need to be making nine-minute power metal songs. It's the same thing I say about the song Saint Anger, my my Metallica. I don't actually really dislike the song in and of itself. I dislike that they made it as long as it was. It could that song could have been great at three and a half minutes, and you wouldn't have lost anything cutting off more than half of that song. Right. Lost Horizon is a band where when they make these longer tracks, the, the track is interesting all the way through. And there's no, there's no like, re- there's not a point where things start to become repetitive and you could have dropped that and you wouldn't have lost anything. Like, and that's why I think a song like this really works. And, and, uh, whereas the next track, which is half the length also is fantastic in, in its own way. Well, that's the irony is even though it's, literally half the length it's just four over four minutes again will the fire burn i actually don't love the track i think it's one of the weakest tracks on the entire album not because it's not an epic it's just i don't know it's just not my favorite track on the album um i guess comparatively because there's such heavy hitters on this album that if it's not like an a plus it almost comes down a bit just because it's not an a plus song um it's a good song here the keyboards actually remind me of the Italian band Skylark where they're using like those fake piano sounds or what have you. But I, for some reason it's, it is cheesy as it is when Skylark does it. And Eddie Antonini is, you know, fiddling around on the keyboards here. It doesn't really bother me as much. I just think that um, that's a highlight. Daniel Hyman's vocals are on full display. I, because that range, my God, the range of this man is, is incredible. It's just a short, tight song. I just don't know that I love it as much as some of the epics. Yeah, I like this song more than you, I think. Um, it's. I want to say it's... Like, I could be wrong, but I think this is the only music song they made a music video for, and so, therefore, it's one of the songs that I was aware of long before, and I forgot about it. And then when it came on, when I was uh, re-listening the album, I was like, oh, yeah, I know this one. Um, I, I really like this song. Um, I... Again, like I don't really think there's too many real dips on this album. So to me, like I, I don't know if I don't know if I like it as much as Lost in the Depths of Me, but it, it's it's pretty close. It's pretty pretty close for me. I really enjoy both songs in spite of how different they they are, um, both in terms of length and uh, you know depth. I guess that's fair. Um, the only thing they need to just kind of come down from this is they, they, they insert this song of earth, which is like a keyboard piano interlude track 
that you almost feel is like setting up to something big. And, and that's what they have with Cry of a Restless Soul. This is the second of, of the three big epics on this. And I think that for, for my money, it's probably the most underrated of, of the bunch. Not that it's the best, but I think it's necess- it's just underrated. Um, there's, there's this spoken word section, which is really a little too cheesy for my taste, but the song itself is solid. It's heavy. It's melodic. It's catchy. And I think part of the allure of this band is that some of these songs have so much depth, which you kind of lose a lot when it comes to power metal. And I'm not talking about the symphonic element of a band like power wolf, but it's just that depth of power metal songwriting that a lot of bands kind of lack. This is almost like proggy power metal for me. And I think that there's, just a fuller sound to a track like cry of a restless soul, which really kind of sucks me in. That was, I think, um, part of the reason why I took more time with this than I thought I would need to, um, because of, of, of that depth. Cause like I said, there's only 13 full length songs between these two albums, but, um, it, it was, it took a lot for me to ingest it. It was almost kind of like the Dragonlands album that came out this year where like, I really had to listen to it a bunch of times because for a power metal album, I just, there's a lot going on. Um, I feel like maybe had the band kept going, there was going to be a theme of like, you know, we had the, the song of uh, the song of air on the first album and now we have the song of earth. So maybe there was going to be a song of fire and a song of water and uh, sooner or later, Captain Planet would show up. Um, (laughs) But uh I, I guess that was kind of something that they were doing um, and maybe had plans to do going forward. I have no idea. Um, uh, this is the song that I'm going to choose to be my song of the week. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I, I love the part where um, the kind of the, the epic build kind of comes to an end and then it just like kicks in the, the, the real fast power metal part of it gets me really excited. Um, I really found myself, looking forward to listening to this song and I really didn't, I, I guess I kind of remembered it a little bit, but I just don't know why this song didn't resonate me the first resonate with me when I first heard it, but I enjoyed this a lot. And so, um, yes, this will be, uh, my lost horizon song of the week, uh, cry of a restless soul. Let's give it a, give it a listen. That's a really good choice. I, I I think that this extended bridge on this song is absolutely fantastic. And I think part of the reason that you like it is that the keyboards on this particular track actually remind me of Power Quest. And I think that that's part of the reason why you gravitated to it. I know you like keys in your power metal. They're on full display here. But even the way they're utilized, it reminds me more of Power Quest. So I, I 
even though the bands sound nothing alike, I feel like that particular element lends itself to that power quest sound. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you, 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 you solved the, the mystery. I, I, <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's what I like. Um, yeah, you like I should, what you we like should mention, you know um, the band a- added two new members on this album that were not, uh, credited yeah. on the first album, which, um, uh, you, you probably know, know of them, uh, purpose based, <laughs> perspicacious protector and uh equilibrium epicurious um you know real uh real household names in the in the metal world especially in joliet illinois um yeah uh more confusion um but uh you probably know them better as attila public and frederick olson uh or, respectively or you don't, um, but or yeah, they, they, and maybe that explains why they have a more full sound on this album. Um, but believe it or not, we only have two full length tracks left. Uh, Think not forever. This one starts fast and it hits you immediately. It actually winds up slowing down considerably, but it, you're, you're so engaged at that point that I think that it winds up being a really good track. The drums are outstanding. The chorus is the course is beautiful and almost inspirational in a sense. It, it's a really, um, I mean, there, there's cheese throughout this track, but at the same time, it's just very catchy, inspirational. And I love how it starts to speed up again about halfway through. This could easily be my song of the week. I actually like this track a lot, but I, I can't not choose their final track. But I, I want to hear your thoughts on Think Not Forever. Uh, another really good tune. Um, probably kind of lost in the, uh, in the depths of the rest of the album. Uh, no pun intended, or maybe pun a little intended. Um, <laughs> but an- yeah, another really solid tune. And I think, um, I think a necessary kind of bridge between the previous track and the next track. Um, I think if they had done another like really epic tune, like lost in the depths of me, it would have kind of been a little bit much to do so many the the spacing is really good and the, the track order as well and both albums i think is really well done um so i think this was a like really well placed and, and just a good track because it's kind of a straightforward power metal tune before you get to this really um this really epic uh the longest lost horizon track to date um been potentially for for all time uh but um yeah, just a, a solid tune leading into the uh, the the epic final full length track, which is then um, you know capped off by a three and a half minute outro. So, why don't you talk a bit about Highlander, uh, the one? Yeah, the only one. So uh, on our um, group uh, group Facebook page, facebook.com slash metal exchanges. Dave Milburn said that he had a hot take. He said, this song is the best vocal performance in in power metal history. I don't think it's a hot take. This is the vocal performance on this song is nothing short of mind blowing. I actually watched a reaction video to this song on YouTube earlier today, because I was just curious to see what somebody who had never heard this man sing would, would say. And the guy was like marking out as he's listening to this song because it's just absolutely mind blowing. It's the biggest of the epics. And even though it has this really slow build, the payoff just knocks it out of the park. And I think it, it's just an absolute vocal clinic from the minute that 
Daniel Hyman starts singing to the end, except the song gets heavier and faster. And it's just such a good way to go out. And it's funny, like when you look at this band, this was the last song on their last, or the last full length song on their album. There's an outro called Deliverance after this, which in my mind is completely and utterly pointless. <laughs> it's just not necessary. <laughs> like you don't need ambient sounds of after Highlander, but like imagine creating two albums, having Highlander, the one as the last track, and then the band goes off into the sunset. It's incredible to me that this is their last, like their last song, if you will, on an album. It is just mind blowing. And it would be so easy for me to not choose this and choose something else. But I should say it's easy that I'm choosing this, but this has to be the song of the week. It's just, it's, it's that good of a song. I want to hear your thoughts, but let's let's give this a listen, and then I'll let you dive in. This is uh, Lost Horizons, Highlander, The One. What are your thoughts on this track? Just epic, 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 epic. Like just everything about it, it. It's, it's like taking every magical thing about this band and then just pulling it apart. Like mozzarella <laughs> um, <laughs> for 13 minutes. Like it, it's, it's really, really impressive. Um, the, like, you know, the, the kind of talk vocals, um, which, if you don't do it right, can come off as super cheesy, uh, sticking to the mozzarella theme. <laughs> um, but it is everything about this song. It, it just hits. Um, and, and I totally agree with you that the end, like what, what was the point of this three and a half minute, uh, outro um, like just end, end with it. this. Just end it. I mean, like yeah. go out on a high note. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I had a thought, a feeling based on your interaction with uh, Dave that this was going to be your your song of the week. So I, I kind of let you um, let you take lead on this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, really great way to cap off a, a really really excellent album. And uh, I I wanted to read the um, the blurb that Loudwire gave because it, it's it's a little bit humorous, but also kind of hits the nail on the head. It says. Uh, Lost Horizon's name may not carry the same esteem as so many of their contemporaries, but any power metal conversation with any merit often finds a flame to the ground beneath bubbling to the surface. Armed with the most outrageous stage names in the business, Preternatural Transmogrifier <laughs> being our favorite, they also possessed one of the most impressive singers in Daniel Hyman. Sorry, Ethereal Magnanimous. Standout cuts like Pure and Think Not Forever find the frontman's piercing falsetto spiking to alarming highs across the instantly memorable melodic guitar hooks. So, I mean, better than either one of us could have said. Well, well done, Loudwire. Um, 
that's that's your um, education into into Lost Horizon. Give me a score for this second album. I, I I'm going to give this one a, an eight point seven five. I think it was um, I think it was a, a, a hair maybe a couple of hairs better than the first album. I, I just think that like that epic, the epic intro the or, you know, with pure, the epic outro in my opinion is the one and not um, that thing that goes after it. <laughs> um, uh, and then just these, these super, super strong tunes in lost in the depths of me and um, cry of a restless soul. And then just really, uh, really solid, shorter songs like again the will the fire burn and think not forever i mean there's only a handful of really long you know full-length songs on here but they're all really good um it's uh it it was you wanting more which is always i think a a good thing um and it's uh it's really good I, i could see this one over time with the nostalgia factor um you know breaking into the the nine area for me um but for for now it's a 8.75 and and that kind of leaves me at like an 8.5 average between the the two well i i i'm actually going to give it an 8.5 as well i don't know that it's easy for me to say one is much better than the other i i think they're both very good albums um again this one having a little bit more of the highs uh, but you can't have the highs without the lows, or at least that's what Brainstorm told us. But my my, my question <laughs> for you is this. I have a couple of questions. Number one, do you think this will stay in rotation for you? Could you see yourself listening to this a month from now? Without a doubt. I, I definitely will come back to uh, a, a, definitely a handful of these songs uh, from both albums, honestly. But um, I, I could see myself definitely re-listening to A Flame to the Ground Beneath uh, on a whole Um as just one of those albums you kind of go back to every now and again, or, or if it's been a year or two, you feel like you really need to pop it in and, and just give it a, another listen. Um, just well, because it's, I get why it, it's so well received and is considered such a, a classic. Um, it, it, it deserves it. And um, it was really enjoyable, honestly, to, to listen to, uh, both of these albums. So, um, really I gotta be honest. I'm glad we did it. I, I, like I said, mentioned last week, I I had this episode like in my head as something that I would have, I wanted to talk about, but just didn't get a chance to, uh, pitch to you. So, uh, you know, great minds think alike. So, uh, good, good stuff. I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. I had a feeling you would, I'll be honest. And this, this is like my hot take of hot takes. Around 2005, when Heed's album The Call came out, and not only does it have Daniel Hyman on vocals, but it has Frederick Olson uh, on guitars and doing all the songwriting. When this album came out, I was so blown away that I almost stopped listening to Lost Horizon because this album absolutely blew me away. And it's not power metal per se it actually has more of an industrial sound to it but with touches of power metal throughout um i love this album and and one day whether it's in 2023 or beyond i want to cover this album because if you haven't heard this you are in for an absolute treat and for whatever reason lost horizon has this kind of a cult following and everyone is clamoring for them to get back together and i can certainly understand why but i will put heed's debut and only album 
up there with the Lost Horizon material because it is that good. And there are songs on this album that remain some of my favorites, even if I haven't listened to them in 10 years. I love this album. I'm, we, we're, we're definitely going to do this uh, in the not terribly distant future. Cool. I, I know um, a bit from it, but I don't really know the album on a whole. And uh, yeah, so um, it, it looks like they also uh, may, were they like, Put, putting something together to create another album because there was a demo and then it yeah, just never I, happened. I actually have that demo. I can send it to you in, in in you know offline or whatever. It's not as catchy as the call was, but there's it's worth hearing because you can see the foundation for what was going to become their second album that just never came to fruition. But I do have the demo, so I'll I'll be happy to share it with you. Yeah, it, it's you know I'm curious. It's it kind of it's amazing to me. Daniel Hyman is uh, is um, for, I think is 48 years old now, um, and he has done so little, but has garnered so much acclaim. I think I, has anybody. I think, done- I think he's 52, but it's he's not he's not he's not an old guy by any means, and he's revered amongst the all time greats. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny too because when you really think about it, like Michael Kisk really didn't do a whole hell of a lot either. I mean, he he was on two really, really well received power metal albums and two lesser received power metal albums, and had a couple of solo albums and just did a whole hell of a lot of guest appearances over the years. But I mean, it's amazing that like you know, kind of circling back to the to the um, the Marius Danielson pairing of those two it's like two of the most uh you know exalted vocalists in power metal but don't have nearly the resume that you know uh, a yokum cans from hammerfall or or a, or a tony kako from uh you know sonata artica or even andy darris from halloween like their their resume is longer but boy like you know when people say best power metal vocalists of all time. Uh, Kiskin and Hyman are, are always in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, w- well said. And, and certainly no argument for me. Um, before we talk about um, next week's album, before we talk about a, just a couple of news items, you want to go through this Loudwire list very briefly? Yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted to point out, like th- this is what um, these are the six albums that are ranked higher than a flame to the ground beneath. And it, it's kind of crazy to think about because, you know, it literally says like lost horizons name may not carry the same esteem. Like the, like these are the, the all time great bands. Um, you know, number six was visions by Stradivarius followed by symphony X is the odyssey. Then uh, land of the free by gamma ray uh, Halloween's keeper one, Blind Guardians, Imaginations from the Other Side, and then Halloween's Keeper 2 as number one. That is absolute royalty. Um, And we've covered four of those six albums, actually, and now five of the top seven. Um, And then, you know, rounding out the top ten, you have uh, Symphony X's Divine Wings of Tragedy at eight, uh, Rhapsody's Power of the Dragon Flame at nine, and Nightwish's Oceanborn at 10, which is another album that we've discussed in long form. Um, This is, I mean, you know, this list has a lot of uh, 
a lot of heavy hitters on it, um, you know, including Dragon Force and Sabotage and Angra and uh, Ed Guy and Primal Fear and 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 what have you. But for for um, for Lost Horizon to be placed ahead of all those bands, it, it really says a lot. Um, so that does that's my take from this list. And mind you, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of it either. Um, oh yeah, I mean the fact that you, I don't see how you can have a list like this without Angels Cry or Holy Land on it. But like uh, quibbling aside, the fact that they the fact that they had enough wherewithal to put Lost Horizon up there with your Gamma Rays and your Halloweens, I think speaks to the impact that they had. And like I, I know I said this earlier, but I, I'll kind of sum up with it as well. They had the ability to take over the genre and it just never happened. But like if there had been a third album, I feel like it would have just absolutely exploded because they were getting so popular within this little world back in 2003. Imagine today where like people are still listening to power metal. You have bands like Sabaton playing in front of, you know, arenas or, or, or very large rooms in, in all, you know, all across North America and all, all across the world. They were on the precipice of something great. It just, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I guess we can just consider ourselves blessed to have gotten these two albums at all. But, um, yeah, it, it really is a, a, a question of what could have been, um, or, you know, who the hell knows? I mean, did you ever think conception would have like reunited after 20 years and, and now like they're like up and running again? Like you just never know. Like it's, yeah, never say never, I guess. Never never say never is right. Um, and speaking of which, some news items, which um, are both from the never say never camp. First of all, Ronnie Atkins has said that at this point, nothing is happening right now with Pretty Maids. Basically that there has been, quote, some issues within the band that haven't been resolved. So nothing is happening. I believe Ken Hammer is doing some other projects and then everyone's doing their own thing, kind of. Doesn't, doesn't sound too good on the Pretty Maids front. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a bummer. I was really hoping I would get to see them live one more time, um, just because the first time I saw them live was one of my favorite, just one of my favorite concert experiences ever. I had so much fun with you and Caleb in particular, uh, standing on the floor and, and watching that band play uh, was such a just such a treat. Um, and I was so bummed when they were uh, when they canceled their their second prog would have been their second prog power appearance when I got uh, the double whammy of losing Pretty Maids and Ancient Bards who were <laughs> opening and closing or closing and opening respectively that uh, that night at Prog Power that was that was a real oof that was a double gut punch for me um, but uh, yeah I, I hope that they can kind of um, work things out but I mean it, it really feels like um, at least uh, as long as um, Ronnie's health holds up, he's doing a hell of a job uh, with his solo material. And uh, I'll just say that that won't be the last you'll hear of me speaking of Ronnie's solo material in the next couple of weeks. I'll just leave it at that. Duly noted. And I I, I share that sentiment with uh, more than one album, I think. But um, one other piece of news, Manowar has released a, a little snippet of material from their new album, which... We don't know when it's coming out, but I have to assume at some point in 2023, um, you know, that God would bless. be that. I don't know if you really should assume that being that it's Man of War. <laughs> that's, well, that's I mean, they, they can announce whatever they announce. But uh, we have we have 
10 seconds of new Matt Manowar material out there. So I found that, uh, you know, never say never. Maybe that album comes out too. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of uh, speaking of singers that are just highly um, touted, uh, you know, Eric Adams, um, I'll never forget, I saw a, a comment uh, back on the, the old Prog Power message board years ago. I want to say... I want to say it came from Zod, but it might not have. Um, but I just somebody said it's a shame that he never did anything else. Like it would have been so interesting to hear his voice on like an Arion album or an Avantasia album or just something else. Like his his voice is solely tied to Manowar, which is uh, who happens to be just such a divisive band amongst metal fans. I happen to be in the the in, i enjoy man of war camp but i know there's some people that think that uh camp would be the right word to use when describing <laughs> man of war so uh well said i um it's just interesting and and he's i mean he's in his up in his 60s now i think eric adams so um i had the pleasure of seeing him sing live and the dude is is for real i'll say that no 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 argument uh no argument for me it will be very interesting to see what happens uh, and speaking of very interesting, we talk about our first request for January 2023. Um, this will be coming out right after the new year, and then we'll do our best of episode the week following that. We have a request that comes from us from Mark Nickel, who is a friend of the show and a friend of uh, both of ours. We're going to do uh, a request from him, which is a band that um, I think you're going to find very, very interesting, to say the least. The band is Celtic Frost. The album is Monotheist, which was their fifth and final studio album, which came out back in 2006. Uh, so we're going back over 15 years for this one. Have you ever heard of a Celtic Frost song, let alone this album? I don't think I have, I'll be honest. I mean, I might have heard it and just had no idea what I was listening to. Um, this is um, this is going to make for very interesting conversation because this album, quite frankly, is unlike anything you've ever heard before. So it is going to be... Um, opinions abound when it comes to this one. I think it's a great request because I actually think it's a very interesting uh, choice. The album is widely, widely regarded as an all-time great uh, album, and I have to be honest, after listening to it twice, I don't see it. But like, we'll, we'll get there because I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it another few listens. This one is definitely going to be a grower on me, if if at all. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts when we when we talk about this next week. Yeah, this is, I mean, a lot like uh, when we talked about, um, you know, uh, Merciful Dissection. Fate and Death. Yeah, this is just something that I have zero knowledge of. So um, it, it's, it's going to be good. I, uh, it, it's going to be good conversation. I don't know if it's going to be good music. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that remains to be seen. But uh, I, um, I am looking forward to to uh to listening so again like filling in those blanks uh always um always interesting and uh you know mark mark is is one of our our um i would say one of our busiest uh contributors to our our facebook uh chat group um and and i think that uh the fact that he's a little bit uh older than we are i think that he has kind of a broader sense of, of of certain things that maybe came before our time yeah um or that like came out in the eighties that when we weren't really paying a lot of attention. Um, and I, and I appreciate that kind of uh, perspective because, you know, we can only do so much about our age and how, and how much we've managed to 
cram into our heads in, in the time that we've been around. So, um, you know, I, I know that he's uh, asked us to consider um, some other uh, bands as well. And I know that we'll get to it at some, get to those bands at some point, but um, uh, you know, just uh, we appreciate, um, we appreciate Mark's uh, input and, and requests. And, and, you know, we look forward to starting off the year with a Celtic frost album. Um, it, at least uh, where I where I live, I'm sure probably where you live too. Uh, frost is probably uh, a timely, <laughs> a timely. I think, timely I think anyone that I think I think everyone so. would agree it's been um, rather chilly. So uh, we look forward to this. We'll do our best of uh, 2022 episode the following week, and then you'll come back with a request. I feel like it's been uh, far too long, so I look forward to what you have in store in the middle of January. Yeah, I think I actually think i know what i'm gonna pick which is weird because usually i choose about eight minutes before you <laughs> ask me what we're listening to next week so uh it's sometimes eight seconds um but uh i think i actually have an idea that um just a little uh a little inside baseball uh chat um you know justin had told me a while back that there was at least two bands that he couldn't believe that i've not not yet chosen um, I think I figured out who one of them is, and I think that's what I'm going to choose for two weeks from now, or three weeks from now, I should say. I still haven't figured out who the the second band might be, but you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually. But there is one that is, I think, kind of a an obvious uh, omission on my part after 130 <laughs> plus episodes. So uh, I'll be looking to looking to rectify that, and you can confirm or deny uh, whether or not that was one of the bands you had expected me at to this point sooner. i may just deny it just because i want to see you go crazy trying to figure out who in fact i'm talking about but no <laughs> kidding aside i will i will admit because i have two really three but i have two or three that are in mind that i'm just shot i'm not selected because i'm just waiting for you to do it and you haven't done it yet which maybe we'll have to go to 230 episodes i don't know but we'll well, more things to follow in january have a happy new year bud i look forward to catching up with you soon and we'll uh, we'll talk all things celtic frost Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Cheers, bud. Take care.